Today's episode is sponsored by Forge. Calling all entrepreneurs with big ideas. Forge, the oldest revolving community loan fund in Arkansas, is here to offer loan programs and technical assistance to those with great ideas, but who may not have all the necessary skills or capital to get started. Reach out to us today at forge at forgefund.org or give us a call at 479-317-1871 to help you turn your dream into a thriving business. Hey everyone, we're back with the District 3 Podcast. My name is Irvin. And this is Elena. This is episode 176. Today we're joined by someone who I've known for quite a few years. We've been Facebook friends for for a while now. Um, Lorena de la Garza, thank you for joining us today. Lorena, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me here. And you're here today to talk about, you know, the the tragic events that led to your your father's murder in, in Mexico. Um, nine years ago, um, and I don't want to go into too much details myself, so I'm going to pretty much let you, you know, tell the story overall, but um, generally speaking, you've been here in Arkansas um, since when? I moved here probably like in 2000, so 23 years now. Wow. Wow, and and you have uh, a lot of family here. Uh, Where are y'all from? Oh, so we're all originally from Jalisco, from a little small, small town in Sompa, Jalisco. It's, it's a very, very small community there. Um, but we all moved to, to California, and then from California, then everybody kind of just followed here. We followed one of my aunts that moved here, and then we all came along. And it's I'm, when I say all, I'm talking about, like, I mean, probably at least 50, 60 of us, because oh, wow. it's like um, my, my dad had at least 14 siblings, and then out of those 14, I think seven of them are here in the U.S., so it's, it's, it's a, lot. a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, I, I've know, I know some of your, your cousins or, or, or even sisters as well. Um, like you said, you do have a lot of family here, and um, I think the, com- the community knows you all a lot just because there's a lot of you, yes. and, and y'all are involved, you know, whether y'all went to high school here oh, yeah. or—because a lot of you went to Sprino High School, right? Yes. A lot of you. Did you yes. graduate from Spring High School? I did. I graduated. Oh my gosh, I don't even want to remember. You don't what have to say graduated. the year. You don't want <laughs> <Yeah>. to. <laughs> I graduated a very long time ago. Oh, yeah. But yes, um, yes, we have. Uh, oof, there's there's a quite a. I think all of our um, cousins in total. We we try to like do a um, a family kind of to count all of us. And there is, I mean, there's eighty something of us. Wow. Um, so just cousins and yes, and but yes, we do have quite a few of us here that uh, graduated from from Springdale High and then that are also actually in Springdale High right now so there's still and there's more coming I mean <laughs> I have I have two kids of my own that are probably mm. going to end up in Springdale High too so there's there's quite a few of us and you're, you're current you're currently a realtor here right in yes, the area I am I am I got into the business two years ago and your husband does? He does concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, so he owns a concrete business. He does commercial concrete. And we just started a new adventure with um, home building. So we are building a couple new constructions. So okay, it's a new new project that we decided to get into. Nice, nice. And you, you reached out a few days ago um, because you felt that you needed to tell your, your family's story about yes. what, you, what you all are going through. Um, and you want it to become public because you want justice um, to be served, and you just want people to know, you know, what you and your family is going through because 
you've kind of been, you know, keeping that information um, to yourself or to your family yes. stuff for nine years. And that must be stressful to have that, you know, just within you and people not knowing, you know, what you're going through on a day to day basis or what oh, your yeah. family's going through on a day to day basis. Yes. Yes, that's that's correct. So I had just came back from Sacramento where we unfortunately didn't come back with the best news and mm. I was angry. I was frustrated. I just started messaging everybody I could think of. And since I know that you have really good connections here uh, in the community, I was like, definitely need to reach out to you. Um, but yes, yeah, so it was um, all of that, all those feelings um, that I've been holding in for, for years now. Um, I didn't speak about it before just because I didn't want it to hinder anything since we didn't really have a case here yet. Mm -hmm. So I kind of kept to myself and then also our family, we, we all kind of agreed, like, let's let's keep quiet until anything starts to move forward. And now that things are going, I want everybody to know and I want um, people to be aware and not just for my family, but for other families and for other victims and for anybody that, you know, maybe hearing my story will help them, you know, speak on any of their stories, um, mm -hmm. but especially um, to educate, um, to educate everyone on what, um, on this process too. It's a, it's new for us. It's, it's all, but just, just to kind of speak out. It's, it's so weird because a lot of the times when something like this happens, when, whether it being, you know, like your kind of situation or the situation that we had a few weeks or like two weeks ago when, when one of, we knew a person that was detained at the border, uh, yes. and they were a resident, these kind of situations, unfortunately sometimes well fortunately sometimes make you into an advocate mm -hmm. right it's like you have all these horrible stuff happen mm -hmm. to you and and it's up to the person to be like do i want to take this tragedy and and become make something positive of it and in your case you told me that you have already people reaching out to you and saying like you know their stuff they they went through similar experiences you yes. kind of become an advocate yes people see you now as a as, will see you now as like a voice of of similar situations and will come and ask you you know how did you do it like what yes. resources did you use mm -hmm. but I, I guess we should go we should go into it um, your dad uh, lived. He didn't. He lived here, right? But he was in in Mexico yes. at the time, and you said he was he was uh, working on creating a uh, event. Yes, involving horses. Yes. So he, uh, my dad, since he was born, he probably was a huge like loved horses, and he used to ride horses all the time, and he would always um, go to events or host events. So he was hosting a huge event in Mexico, um, and he was hosting. We were actually. Everybody but me was supposed to go to this event because I was pregnant mm -hmm. um, and I was actually due on December the 30th. So that was my due date. So I was unfortunately not going to be able to go to this event, but it was just a huge event. Um, it's called a charreada. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, yeah. but there's um, all sorts of different shows that they put on with the horses and stuff. So he was holding he was um, he was, you know, hosting this event. And he was out um, selling tickets, and um, all of my family was actually um, going to be there. My uncles, aunts, from everybody from from the states was actually going to make the travel. Also, it's Christmas time, so you know, usually our family has that um, tradition to travel to Mexico at least once a year, and usually it would hit around Christmas time that they would go out to visit our grandparents or um, the rest of the family that we have out there. So my dad was actually. Um, out there and um, also he had my little brother who at the time was 17 I believe um, and he was gonna make the drive 
through there. Mm. He actually drove himself to the border. And I remember one of my best friends um, was at the border and she, um, she, he stayed with her. And mm. then my mom picked him up at the border and then brought him and he, they drove um, their way back to Mexico. Um, but he was really excited because he was like, you know, driving himself out there with his truck and everything. So it was, it was a, it was a big, it was a big event that he was hosting. And at that time, um, he, um, that night, I remember uh, me and my dad were kind of not on like the best terms because he was a little upset that I was, you know, I was his daddy's girl and I was pregnant and he wasn't happy that I wasn't with the father of my child because, mm. you know, Mexican traditions, like you yeah. have to get married, da, da, da. And, and so unfortunately I didn't go by mm. that and he was a little upset with me. So he was actually not speaking to me a couple mm. months prior to that. He was, he was on no, no speaking terms, but he did call me on December the 20th and, and we got to speak and it was, it was really hard because I mean, I did get to tell him, you know, that I loved him, but it was just a quick conversation. Mm. But on December 21st, um, he was at a bar and a man approached him asking him for, for some tickets and he wanted free tickets to the event. Um, but my dad was like, no, you know, I'm hosting this. I'm putting my money into this. Like you can purchase them. And. I guess the guy got upset. He's like, oh, you, if you're hosting it, you should have all this money. You should just be able to hand them out and stuff. And yeah. it was a little argument. My dad ended up walking away from the argument, headed towards his truck, was getting into his truck when this man shot him in the head mm. twice. And he fell over and immediately passed. Mm. And... um. I mean, you said that the the people, the witnesses uh, saw that like he didn't even get to see who the person was. No, he shot him. Yeah, it was like he he did yell at him as what they said that the, he yelled and he said, "You're not a man," in Spanish, like "no eres hombre," and that means like basically trying to give him love, like you're not tough enough. Or, mm. And um, the witnesses did say that they feared. They feared because they knew that this man had committed two other crimes where he had murdered two other men in the 80s. And they feared, so they all, like, ran. And they left my dad there. And nobody told my family that he was there. My grandmother heard the shots because it happened. I'm not kidding you. It's, like, such a small town that it was, like, probably, like, three or four minutes from where my grandma's house was so oh. she heard the shots and she got up and was like his she mom? was his mom his mom yeah mm. and she got up and was like oh my goodness like i need to go check on on my children because she had another another uncle that was out drinking that night too so mm. she thought it was like i'm like oh i need to go see maybe her thoughts immediately like what if it's him or what so she you know she went downstairs and she started walking towards the street and she saw she saw my dad. She was the first person. Um. And she immediately, like, ran to my uncle's house. My uncle also lives, like, a couple minutes away to wake him up. And was, and she told him, like, hey, like, he's out there. Somebody, somebody killed him. 
And so then my family found out and everybody came and that's when people were like, what happened? Like trying to ask around and like, what's going on? And um, at first I, it's kind of seemed like everybody was afraid to like speak about it because they, they were so scared, like he's still out here somewhere. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of like, oh, we like the first couple people that they asked around, they're like, oh, it, it was like there was a bunch of men. We couldn't see who it was. And then, um, but then people started saying, actually, it was this person. Like, by the morning, people knew that it was him. And so, um, during this time, since it's just small, such a small town, like, there's, a, like, one or two policemen there, but they really don't have much authority. Uh, they have to get other people involved, so they have to get, like, the state officials. Mm. So they immediately contacted them, and they were there. Um, probably like the next morning but closer to like it happened the crime happened like I think it was two three in the morning and then um, by the time everybody the officials and everybody started getting there it was like 9 a.m. during this time my mom was she she found out um, probably like at six in the morning was she she there she wasn't there but she was on her way there because she my dad had actually been with her um, the 20 the 20th is whenever my mom headed to the frontera to pick up my oh yeah to the border to pick up my brother so they they were together on the 20th like the night and then they went he came to the small town to the rancho that's what we call it and my mom went to go get my brother so then my brother and my mom immediately like they were already on their way there so they got there like around the same time that all the officials and everybody so my dad's body was still in the same position when my mom and my 17-year-old brother got there and saw him and they got to see that like they got to see his body and how you know how it had happened and they lost it my mom lost it she was how long was your dad in that position for a while because it happened i want to say the murder happened like at two three in the morning and then you know they they didn't want to they wanted the officials to get there since it's a small town it takes like at least it takes like an hour to like the bigger town but they had to call, like, people from Guadalajara. So mm. that is, like, a five-hour, four-hour drive. So it took them longer to get there. It took a while for even anything to get started just because everybody they wanted to wait for them to get there to take pictures and get everything and pick up, the, you know. But that day, my mom said it was raining. It started to rain, and she was like, it was sad because your dad bled so much, and you could just see, like, you know, it was raining, and his blood was just going down 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 the drain down the so it was i mean she she really got to her and my brother really got to see it all whenever i found out about it um it was like it was probably like 6 30 in the morning because it was early still and i remember my aunt called and she didn't want to tell me because i was pregnant i was about to ask that because that yes she didn't want to tell me imagine she didn't. She called and she said, your dad's hurt. He fell down the stairs and he hurt. She's like, he broke his, his arm and his leg. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I am like, I get so nervous. And I was like, oh my gosh, is he okay? Like, what happened? Let me speak to him. And she's like, oh no, he's going to be fine. Like, she didn't want to tell me. She's like, I'm like, okay, if he's going to be fine, please let me speak to him. And she said, um... She's like, yeah, like, okay, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you speak to him. But then she started crying. And she's like, I'm so sorry. She's like, he's dead. Yeah. And 
I lost it. I mean, whenever she said that, I don't know, like, something in me. Like, I started punching myself. Mm. My stomach. Mm. I was pregnant. I don't know why I did it, but I threw myself on the floor. Mm. I was kicking. I was screaming. (laughs) I couldn't. Like, it took me at least an hour to, like, call, like, get up and like like we gotta we gotta get out of here mm. and nobody wanted to take me because they're like no you're pregnant yeah and i called my doctor and i told her i'm like uh, i can't like i need to see my dad and she was like well you can't fly out there so just be very careful like she was just like calm yourself down and and she said as soon as you get there you need to like see a doctor because um, I had an appointment the following day on the 22nd and I canceled it and she was like I really wish you know you didn't have to do this but I understand you know so one of my aunts was gonna drive she was gonna drive so I was like can I please ride with you so me and my sister and a cousin and my aunt we drove down there and during the drive the whole time I was like, who did this to my dad? Like, what happened? And surely, immediately, people started assuming, like, oh, maybe it was, like, drug-related, like, a drugs, like, something. I was like, no, that wasn't the case. Like, like whoever did this to him, like, like it, there, I, why? Like, I was, you know, mm-hmm. right when we crossed the border, they gave a name of a person that some people were accusing, but it wasn't him. And I instantly was like, oh, like, why would he do that? No, he wouldn't. Like, I didn't think he would be capable because he had family. I was like, no, like, why would he, you know, whoever did this is, is, has to be somebody with no heart. But when we made it to the town, like, and the name of the person that did it was said, I was like, why? I mean, I still had questions, but I knew that. You know, hopefully the government would take care of it. Yeah. But unfortunately, it, you know, it didn't, it didn't go that way. I mean, he ran as soon as he committed the crime. He ran and he he made his way out of there. All his family that was there also, like, left the town, um, even brothers, sisters included that were there, like, everybody left the town and that's when everybody knew, like, yeah, he is 100% guilty. Like, that was him. And the people that saw him were like, yep, he did it. And then at the time, like, you're, we were so hurt with my dad. Like, we, I, I wanted, I focused more on, like, me and my family, my dad, like, us going to, you know, have to deal with all of, um, you know, just getting things ready for his ceremony and stuff because it was, so we were all there, like all his brothers and sisters that were able to make it were there. And um, it was a big, I mean, um, I didn't take any pictures on my phone, but I had people send me pictures. I'm not kidding you. Like his funeral probably had at least 200 people there. Mm. Everybody in the town loved him because my dad would always try to help out the community. He was 
big on on that. So he had a good name in the in our small town. He had a good name, so a lot of people came from around the towns, you know, even people from the states, um, friends from Texas, from Colorado. Like, he had so many people that loved him. So he had, like, at least 200 people at his funeral, if not more. So what did, what did you, how did your process look like because you were pregnant at that time? Uh, did you give birth in Mexico, or how did that Oh, my gosh, no, but I, I did, um, I think the day after his funeral, I was so dehydrated, and I was having... I thought were contractions, so I did have a doctor come out there, and he they put me on um, an IV, connected me to an IV, and they're just like, you just need to not move because you've mm. been on your feet, you've been walking around, like you just need to like. I was in, I was on bed rest, and they had already put me on bed rest prior to that, but I, I couldn't stop working. I didn't, so mm. I, I, I obviously didn't listen, but I, I did. I was on bed rest the day after, and then I came back. Um, on the 27th, because I had an appointment. My son was due on the 30th. So I think we, we came back on the 27th. So I just went to his funeral. I was there for a few days. And then I, I ended up coming back um, just because I just, I couldn't. I had that appointment and I was afraid of like, what if I, you know, end up giving birth in Mexico? And then yeah. that's going to be hard because I was living over here and stuff. So so we did, we we made it back and I went to my appointment and um, I was actually, um, everything was fine. The baby seemed like it was, it was all gonna be fine. And then I gave birth um, a week after that. So but now, it was hard. So once the police were able to gather everything, how long did it take for that process to start and to have, a, you know, a suspect in mind? Um, it, it's it's Mexico, so it was kind of sad. But I, my mom says she remembers that as soon as, as soon as um, she was sitting there and she's like, "Who did this?" You know, like they knew who did it, and they were like, "Okay, um, so we are gonna need a little bit of money from you to start the process," mm-hmm. which is really sad. But my mom at that time, she says she gave um, Mexican officials um, mil mil a thousand dollars, U.S. money to get to capture this man because mom was like don't let him go away you guys need you know but that didn't happen he was already he was already out on the run and he was already making his way back to us where he lives so he he fled and um it took a long time as far as like paperwork because as soon as we um you know everybody started filing everything um it took time because even then we would come across of like um oh we're missing this document and then they were like some you know it's missing or something's missing something would pop up something would be missing because we had to get a whole like case together to bring it to the u.s since we knew he was going to be he was going to be headed this way so i remember me on the way back since I knew that this man had committed this crime already, I knew his name, I knew where he lived, It's I knew everything. I immediately called the small town of Sutter, California, and I called and I said, this man committed this crime, can you please go detain him? I was, you know, I was, like, so, like, hurt. I was so, and the guy kind of just laughed at me because he's like, mm-hmm. are you joking? Like, is this a joke? And I said, no, this is not a joke. Like, 
And I started, you know, I was like losing it. I was crying. I'm like, please help me. And then he, I guess after that, he was just like, actually, the, the, it doesn't work like that. Like you, the, you, the Mexican government has to file for an extradition order. Like I can't just go detain a man because you're calling me and telling me that he did this crime. So that's, you know, that's the part that has been taking the longest during this time. You know, it's been nine years and it's going to be 10 years now in December, but nine years later, we finally got the extradition. Um, but during those nine years, it did. It was a process. It did take time. It was it was not easy um, because you run into um, some officials that are corrupt and that yeah. will want money and others that you, you do pay the money and then something comes up with, for some reason, this file is missing. Like, how is this missing? So, like, you know, we know we're going up against um, a very hard case, but now I feel like I, f I feel more comfortable and more confident about it since they have, you know, they detained, they had detained him um, in May. Uh, he did get out on bail because, you know, unfortunately, since he is a U.S. citizen, mm -hmm. he got he got rights here to protect him in the way so he is out on bail and now he's um he's still facing this extradition that's ongoing um i feel i know he is appealing because he does not want to be extradited but i'm hoping that that's not the case and that he does get extradited and he does go to mexico and that this time around justice is served because in 1980 that did not happen to that family um, he had committed two other crimes, and he was extra, extradited from Huron, California, um, and he made it to the U. Uh, he made it to Mexico, and he paid off his way, mm. and he was cleared. He was cleared from that murder, from two murders, um, and unfortunately now, he's you know he's free and but he knows his way around and that's the sad thing is because he's done it once before mm -hmm. so it's like oh this is my second time this is what i need to do so he knows his way around and i hope and i plead to the mexican officials to the u.s government to send this man to mexico and for mexico to to make him serve justice and for not just for our family but for these other two families that that have you know had no justice for them so you were just in Sacramento during the court hearing, weren't you? Yes, um, last weekend I was. He had court on Wednesday, and that was the first time that I ever saw this man like face to face. And it was it kind of it's been it it was hard. It was very hard. You I mean, said your um, your dad's your dad's name just because we haven't mentioned their oh, their names yet. Yes. Um, Jose Luis Vela Miranda was your is was yes, your dad's name. That and, was my dad. Mm -hmm. And you were you're okay with mentioning the name yes, of the person? The person responsible for this crime. His name is Jose Trinidad Martinez Santoyo. He lives in California. He lives in Sutter, California. Mm. I'm not gonna give his address, even though I already know it, because <laughs> I went on like full, like. Yeah. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, like Crime, Crime Junkies, one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And I listen to a lot of murder stuff. And as soon as, you know, like I tried to like do my own like investigating and stuff. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I know I needed this, this and that. So I'm just like, oh, it's frustrating that that this man has done this and gotten away with it. 
Can um, you talk more about that experience of you uh, seeing him in person? Like oh my what gosh. you were feeling at that time? It, yes, it was it was horrible. So I knew I had to prepare myself. Um, I had been in contact with. Um, she she helps victims families just kind of like cope and stuff. So she I reached out to her because so the reason whenever our lawyer um, he basically said just wait for my call. The, our lawyer in Mexico said, wait for my call. We'll let you know when he's out here. And then you guys will have to make a trip out here to Guadalajara and stuff. So I was like, okay. So I don't know how, I didn't know how the extradition worked. I really thought that, you know, we, they will just go ahead and extradite him, but it doesn't work that way. So when I, um, when it was in December 21st, this last year, um, I was just kind of like, let me, let me see what, how this is going. Like, when are they going to extradite him? So I started kind of like reading into it. And I'm like, this guy has, you know, he had his hearing and stuff for his extradition. And he he was arrested in May and then out on bail. And now he's just waiting again for um, hopefully once our the judge extradites him. But during that time, I spoke to the witness. Um, she was she was helping us out with like ways to cope and stuff. And she was like preparing me to like see this man and and it was exactly how I expected I would I had I walked into the courtroom and I saw his face and immediately like I, st- I I started shaking I've never like shake I was like shaking like not just like I was like full-on shaking like my whole body was shaking and I just was like crying but mm. I was trying to control myself because I know, like, I, I didn't want to, I wanted to be able to, like, listen to everything and, and be focused and stuff. So I controlled myself after um, it all started. And um, I could not stop looking at him as much as I didn't want to. I think I stared at him the whole time that yeah. that we were in court. But the thing that, like, really upset me was that I don't know if the judge even noticed or that we were there <laughs> because he did say something that that it must be so scary to be you know to be facing this crime and these charges um it must be so scary for his family Mm. and that upset me so much because i'm like but what about my family you know like it's even more like hurtful Mm -hmm. for us you know but but after that he got when he got up and he's and he did say like he was going to continue to let him be out on bail and until further because it's a process with the extradition um he got up and he walked away and i was hoping for them to say you will be detained he's going to be detained and we'll you know and then give us an extradition um date but that you know it didn't go that way so i was so hurt and he gets up and walks away and he like looks back and smiles and that just like you know that that's when i think we all of our family just like my uncle, my uncle was so upset. Like, we were so upset, but we knew that we couldn't, like, we're not going to be um, throwing hands. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we we're not going to be acting. We were kept I, our I probably cool. would. I probably would. I'm not going to lie. As much as I wanted to. I <laughs> wanted to so bad. Jesus. I didn't want the judge to, like, I'm like, well, what if I do go attack him? I do <laughs> the get judge that, is though. probably, and then my husband texts me. He's like right before court he's like please control yourself you know you have your family here but because i had to tell him i'm like 
when I see him in the courtroom, like, I'm going to go smack him or something. Mm. But I just, I knew I had to control myself. But it's so hard. Like, I've never in my life wanted to hurt somebody so bad like I did that day. Was he, I, I wonder if he was released. Because it seems like if, if the, the crime would have happened here, if the murder would have happened here, like yes, he would have been that detained. Wouldn't, exactly. If, if it, I feel like if, it would have, if the crime would have happened here, it would be so different. But also, you know, like I think too, since he, his family is probably, they, I know that they've sent a lot of like letters of recommendations. And I'm like, obviously people don't really know the, who this man really is because how, how did, how did, the government not see him like a threat to society because that's why he's out because he's not mm. a threat to society when he has murdered three people but the judge doesn't know that the judge only knows that he's being tried for one murder yeah <coughs> and how many how many witnesses do you know of that saw what happened they saw they saw the murder happen um there was there was a there was a few there was a lot of people there but i know that three witnesses are going to come forward the other people are afraid. Okay. They're afraid because th this man has done this before. He has, well, they're, they're afraid for their, they fear for their life. So is it, um, I guess right now, n not, none of them have given testimony yet, like they're about to? That's, that's part of the, um, I guess, the next they, court hearing maybe? Yes. Well, they did give their testimony when it, like, initially when they were getting, like, you know, what happened, the, the, they got their testimony, like, their written testimony, but they are going to come forward whenever right. we we go into court okay. next. And you said that at that moment when when he looked back and smiled, that that was kind of the tipping point for you where you were yes. like, I have to make this public. Yes, I have to speak exactly. about it. Yes, because I, I want people to know what's going on with him because I'm afraid that that little smile that he gave me was like, I'm getting away with this. And I'm afraid that if if I don't speak about it and if people don't, you know, know about what's going on, if even in his town, I'm sure that they know another, they know the, maybe he is nice to his surrounding, but there's a dark side to him that people may have not, may not be aware of. And I want everybody to find out. I want everybody to know because this man, he he's, he's capable of other stuff. And I know he, I mean... I know in the U.S. he he was detained one time um, with weapons in his truck. So, mm. um, and that was brought up so in his court. So, are you concerned for your safety? I I was at one point. I was at one point um, when it first all initially happened because I'm not afraid to say this, but the the family is doesn't have the best. Um, they're known. They're known for uh, violence. They're known for that. If you go to my town uh, and you ask about the this family, the Martinez, oh, you're going to hear, oh, yeah, every time they come, they shoot up the town. Every time they come, they're they're violent. They they know, especially this man. If you ask anybody, if you know, ask anybody for Jose Trinidad Martinez Santoyo, they'll tell you. Uh, they'll tell you that oh yeah he's he's murdered people and in their own words they have said he's a devil himself he's the devil himself he's a lunatic i mean i've heard people i spoke to um a couple of the other victims just as soon as i got back i wanted to know more since i was aware that he had murdered somebody before but i wasn't aware of 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 everything mm -hmm. um i was just like but then i was like i want to know more like what happened and then 
people start speaking, oh, and he did this, and then he stabbed a man to death. And I'm just like, like, oh, my gosh, like, how did people, you know, like, oh, in the 80s, you know, people could really get away with anything. Yeah. Um, but it's just not fair to them. Um, it's not fair to them because this man is living out free, and he still has, you know, like, I mean, he has the courage to go to a family event to where he knows that a couple of the people that he um, related to the family of the man that he, uh, the other man that he murdered, were going to be present. And he shows up to a wedding like nothing. And obviously this stirs up, like, emotions for the other family, like knowing that this man, you know, killed their father and he's just sitting there like nothing with his family. And he's, you know, they, they went up to him and they said things to him and he just gets up and he got up and laughed. But I'm like, I don't understand how this man can do so much damage and feel like, I feel like he probably thinks like, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to get away with it again. I have control. I know, I know how to, I know my way around the system. And that's why I'm speaking about it, because I want to bring attention to this case. I want to bring attention to the previous case on on how he got away with it. Like this man literally got away with murder twice and is I mean, he's not going to get away with it again. But he's Mm -hmm. I know that he's going to try to fight to get away with it again. The difference here, I guess, in, in maybe the cases prior, uh, maybe the people didn't have no. the resources to defend themselves, but you exactly. do have the resources to defend yourself. Yes, exactly. No, yes, exactly. The first time he did it, the family that he did it to, I mean, they, they, they're, the, the lady was four months pregnant whenever he murdered her, her husband and left her um, with her, um, I think it was two other daughters. So, I mean, she... She was hoping that the U.S. government would take care of it and or the Mexican government would take care of it. And they failed her. They failed her. And um, then he comes back and commits more crimes and they, they failed again. So yeah. it's um, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate to their families. And it's unfortunate that even to the day they are still afraid of this man. Um, but. But now it's like he messed with the wrong family because mm. we are not going to keep quiet and we are going to do what we need to like justice needs to be served. Like I'm not a, I'm not afraid about it, to speak. I was afraid at one point because there was just so much we didn't you know, I, w- I was hearing that. Oh, he did this. He did that. And I was afraid at first. Uh, my mom was living in Mexico for a few months after um, after my my father was murdered. And there was not a day that I would not speak to her just to check up on her, just afraid that, you know, I really wanted her to come back here. Um, but it took her a few months to, to be able to get back here. But she had to take care of a lot of things out there um, in order to move back here. So, But now it's like I'm ready to speak. I'm ready to let everybody know that this story needs to be heard and justice needs to be completed. Yeah, I, th- I think one thing's important to point, I think you touched on it a little bit, that he has been charged in the past uh, for murder, but he's never been convicted, never no. has, has, has served a sentence or anything no. for these accusations. So it's no. for the folks listening, it's important to point out that that's why he's still out there. He hasn't been convicted of, of those crimes. Um, so usually we we have like for these kind of, of podcast episodes, we have like a call to action for people, like what can people do to help you? In this case, yes. it's just kind of, you just need to speak about it. It needs to become public. People need to know. I think yes. you're kind of doing this more maybe for like your family and for, and for yes. justice to be served, not only yes. for like pressure, but also 
because uh, it must be horrible to have to deal with all of this uh, by yourself, by your family. Just like yes. not talk about it. Yes, exactly. Um, and then if anybody has any, I mean, I don't know if, if anybody has been through anything of this or mm. has dealt with an extradition and this and, or how it works and stuff. Like, I'd be happy to, if anybody could, like, help educate me as well. I would love um to get to get that info just um, because it is new to our family and we're dealing with it currently but I did I do want people to know because you know I guess a lot of people didn't know how my father passed I did not share it on social media yeah. I didn't mention it to I mentioned it to close friends but I didn't mention it to everybody um, especially um, because we didn't know where this man could be. He was hiding for, for so long that I'm like, if he hears about it, he's probably going to continue to hide. And I wanted him to get detained before we could, you know, go public about and it. When does he have his next hearing? Well, I, I'm not 100% sure because um, the last thing we heard is that we were just going to get um, notified when they had an extradition date but that he had 14 days to appeal. Mm. And I heard the defense uh, that they were gonna appeal. So, I mean, uh, that's probably still in process that for sure they will appeal and that will buy him more time here because if they do appeal, it will extend it will extend the time. But I, I really hope that, I pray that the judge does extradite him and you know, and that he does end up going to Mexico and that the judge in Mexico does not get paid off, does not, and he does convict him. And that those are my, those are my prayers right now is that it goes that way. But, you know, you just never know with, with this man and all the support that he has, um, what he's capable of, of doing to buy his freedom. And you told me that, um, well, this would be kind of a call to action to like local media also that you do want to speak to local media about the story. So if anybody that's listening, that's part of media that wants yes. to uh, help highlight what's going on with um, Lorena's family um, and the legal process that you're open to speaking to them too. Yes, yes, I do. I, I would love to be able to share the story. Um, I Like I said, I want everybody to know like what happened to my father, what happened to these other families um, as well. And if anybody has anything that they can help, you know, as, and also to coping with, with this, because this is very yeah. tragic. And I know my mom, we try to get her to like go to speak to somebody, but she is kind of a person that's like, no, it's not going to help. Or it's not. And she's, she held herself back. But I know, I know that it would help like, like therapy, is therapy, that what you're yeah, something. If anybody knows of any ways to cope with, you know, such a tra- tragic loss, and mm-hmm. especially the way my dad's life was taken, like how, like it's, it would be very helpful for our family. Mm, okay. Well, um, that's that's the call of action that we have on this episode. Uh, bring awareness for media to. Uh, you can reach out to us, and we'll give you the contact information for Lorena um, if you're interested in doing a story or a, or an interview about the situation. And, uh, and yeah, I think the community will just kind of keep an eye open to see, you know, what happens with the case and in what way we can support. Um, but I appreciate you being here and being, no, being brave you. enough to talk about all this no, because it's a lot. Yes, you know, but please thank just you. Just having to relive the trauma. 
I, I really hope that the community can all help share this story. I want this story to get out there. I want I want everybody to have eyes on it, to be out in the lookout so you guys can know how, you know, how we're dealing with it and that justice is made. Um, and I think the more eyes on it, the more shares, the more uh, people hear about it, 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 I feel like that's when it will be out on the public eye and justice will be made. And I have that hope and I appreciate you for having me here. I know I kind of like reached out to you and I was like just threw you this whole story out here like please help but I just I was so desperate and I still am. I'm desperate for justice. I'm I'm desperate for everybody to to come together and, and please if you can help in in any way um, I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate being here once again. Um, like I said, it must be hard to relive, relive this trauma. Um, and hopefully, you know, us documenting this story does help out in a very positive way. And yes. we, we hope that your family is able to get justice and closure because oh, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what, what you feel, what your family feels. But all, all I can do is, you know, empathize and, and be here and, and, and support you all. And the community will support you all as well after they hear this story. Um, but that's the end of episode 176 of the District 3 podcast. My name is Edamine. And this is Elena. Signing off. Mm-hmm.